everybody. Welcome to the Export. I'm Reverend X, and alongside me, as always, is Biggie, aka Ethan Tate, aka somebody who I am sure is in the full throes of basketball season. I'm sure you probably watched more of the quote unquote in season tournament than I have. But if so, what are your early impressions on it? Do you think it's is it starting to grow on you, or are you still kind of on the fence about it? Um, being honest, I haven't watched nearly as much basketball as I have in the past. A huge part of that is because my team isn't good right now, and I'm just in my feelings about it. That's fair. But from what I have seen, I'm not going to say I think it's it's growing on me. Like, I'm still trying to figure it out because it's like it kind of threw me off where it's like, okay, they had like in-season tournament games. Then they went back to just regular, regular, regular season games. So, like, I'm still trying to figure it out. Probably the thing that, more so than the tournament itself that's bothering me, is, like, the different courts. Because some of them are freaking eyesores. Like, they're hard to look at for too long. The Grizzlies one isn't that bad, though. But It's the Bulls, the all-red court. I'm trying to think. I sent you one on Twitter a couple weeks back that was, like, bugging the hell out of me. Which one was it? I don't think it was the Bulls. Oh, it was the, um... Is this the Suns with, like, the purple and then the teal and then the – yeah, the Suns probably is the one that bothers me the most. But, yeah. But, yeah, let's get uh, back to the show. Obviously, looking at the NFL, we got it. It's time to talk about the Bills and have some uncomfortable conversations regarding the future of Stephon Diggs and if Josh Allen is still or at least should still be considered a top-five quarterback. Look at the NBA, talk about some of the biggest injuries and the latest news that the Bulls and Zach Levine seem to be working towards a trade and which team should be all over that. But before we get up out of here, please be sure to check out the export.net. I repeat the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. So as we start off every show, let's go ahead and do our college football player spotlight. And this week, we're going to go Ohio State wide receiver Emeka Ekbuka. I mean, when you look at Ohio State, they have really just been pushing out some great wide receivers. And while Marvin Harrison obviously is dominating the conversation, Ekbuka, uh, uh, I'm sorry, has been doing a lot of work in the slot and probably is going to be a first-round pick as well. Ethan, you can never have too many weapons, and we've seen just the importance of a slot receiver in today's NFL. What team do you think could should take a look at him? Uh, the Patriots, because I feel like they just need weapons, period. And who knows if they're going if they're going to continue to ride out with Matt Jones or what they're going to do. But I feel like just like a good tight end, a good slot receiver is always a good start off point for a uh, for a quarterback. I'm sorry. No, hundred percent. I mean, I know he hasn't been used that well over the past couple of years, but Hunter Renfro. Back in them early days with the Raiders was an absolute juggernaut. I mean, it seemed like he was always getting open, was going to catch almost 100 balls every season. I mean, he was doing some damage. Adam Thielen with uh, the Panthers is far and away their best offensive player. So there's definitely a place for slot wideouts. For me, I'm going to say the Cincinnati Bengals. We already know there's some contracts coming up. Jamar Chase in either next season or the season after that. T. Higgins is possibly going to be a free agent if they don't franchise tag him. And then Tyler Boyd, whose kind of name has kind of gotten fallen on the wayside, he's also going to be a free agent. And of the three of those guys, I could only see Higgins 
and Chase coming back unless he, uh, Boyd is trying to take a pay cut. I think that they could easily replace him with uh, Egbuka, somebody who's younger, who's faster, who could provide a little bit more juice to that offense. So I would probably say Bengals uh, if anybody. But all right, let's go ahead and take a look back at week 10. Thursday night football, Bears get a yet another win, their third of the season, beating the Carolina Panthers 16-13. to Baltimore loses to the Cleveland Browns 33-11. to Lions beat the Los Angeles Chargers in a shootout 41-38. to Colts defeat the Patriots in Germany, sending the team in a tizzy 10-6. to uh, Steelers outlast the Packers 23-19. to Vikings win a good one against the Saints 27-19. Uh, Texans get a big win over the Cincinnati Bengals 30-27. Bucks beat your Titans 20-6. Uh, 49ers manhandle the Jacksonville Jaguars 30 to uh, Cardinals win in Kyler Murray's return game against the Atlanta Falcons, 25 to 23. Seahawks in, win it at the end against the Washington Commanders, 29 to 26. Um, Cowboys demolished the Giants, 49 17. Raiders lose. Raiders beat the Jets in a defensive slugfest, 16 to 12. And then Monday Night Football, my brother-in-law Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos win their third straight game, beating the Buffalo Bills, 24 to 22. I had a bad week of predictions. I went five and eight. Ethan, you got the eight and five dub because I'm hard-headed. And I just, for some reason, have belief in the Chargers to do stuff, and I don't know why. Um, in terms of injury news, the Pittsburgh Steelers get hit again in their linebacker core. Quan Alexander, LSU man, is out for the year with the torn Achilles. And then Cowboys lose tight end. I mean, not tight end, I'm sorry. Linebacker Leighton Vander Esk for the rest of the year. He's been put on IR following a neck injury. And the Predator for the Browns is done for the year with season-ending shoulder surgery. But, all right, let's go ahead and talk takeaways. Um, I'm going to run through my first four real quick. Uh, When the Bucs offense is shooting themselves in the foot, they're one of the best in the NFC. You get Rashad White, who's shown some flashes. Chris Godwin is a great receiver. Mike Evans is still top 15, top 20 in the league. It all just comes down to that offensive line giving Baker time and Baker not messing up, and this offense can be really, really dangerous. Four, Bryce Young hasn't been great. But, I mean, give the man a break. Everybody needs to chill out. Don't get me wrong. C.J. Stroud has absolutely outperformed him. Will Levis' first game was by far better than anything that Bryce Young has done so far. But it's still just the first half of his NFL career. He was the first overall pick for a reason, or at least the Carolina Panthers thought so. So, everybody just give the man a break. Uh, Three, the Jags prove once again they can't hang with the big boys. They're kind of like the Dolphins. They can beat up the teams that are kind of on the fringe or sub 500. But when they go up against a really good team like the Jags did against the 49ers, they got destroyed. And then uh, two for me, by no means has Zach Wilson been great, but his run game is not doing him any favors. Uh, This past game, Brees Hall only rushed for 28 yards. Zach Wilson actually led the team in rushing with 54. Brees has averaged 2.2 yards per carry. He hasn't averaged north of 3.5 yards per carry since they played the Broncos, and that was, what, week six? And then obviously it's not like they've gotten much production out of Dalvin Cook. So, again, Zach Wilson is not good. But this run game has not done him or the Jets' offense any favor. And what was your top takeaway of the week? My top takeaway of the week is if the Tennessee Titans in the offseason don't prioritize offensive line play, they're going to waste what could potentially be a franchise quarterback in Will Levis. Um, I watched pretty much all of the 
Titans versus Buccaneers game, except for like maybe midway, all of the first quarter and midway through the second. And like the Buccaneers rushed for most of the game, and it was like instant pressure. They had four sacks, if I'm not mistaken, they had like tw- anywhere between 10 to 12, maybe 15, closer to 15 QB hits. They had 10 tackles for loss, which is why Derrick Henry had such a horrible day. Like, it, people have been banging the can and saying, like, hey, they need to get rid of um, Mike Vrabel. No, he's a great coach. The reality of it is, is the GM that they fired set them up for failure because he didn't address issues that needed to be addressed. He didn't get the wep- necessary weapons that they needed and now with him out of the building we're seeing the the ramifications of that because you have a young talented quarterback that has a good arm but he can't get the ball downfield because as soon as he drops back he has pressure in his face and like Tim Kelly's a good offensive coordinator like I don't think Will Levis is four touchdowns a game every game level of quarterback but the game against Atlanta when he started, you saw what he could do when he, when he could, like, stand up in the pocket. And, like, that that's just – and especially for a team that's known for being tough and physical, like, they have to address the O-line in order to see what they got out of this young quarterback. Yeah, I feel you on that. I mean, John Robinson definitely didn't do y'all no favors, but I think – you guys were able, or at least he was able to kind of construct the roster the way it was because it was working. I mean, even after you guys trade away A.J. Brown, y'all still find a way to make the playoffs. Y'all still are competitive. And even last year, before injuries start to kind of rampage y'all, like, yeah, it wasn't a great season. You lost, I think, the last seven, eight games of the year, but you guys were still competitive. And so I'm sure kind of going into the season, like, well, if we do just one more thing or a couple pieces away – but this year is showing it's much more than that. So I think this will probably be one of the first off seasons in a long time that the Tennessee Titans are actually aggressive and trying to, like, change things. Because I think you have to at this point. Like, if you're going into a new era with a new quarterback, you got to help give him tools to be successful. And it really starts up front. So I, I'll be interested to see what you, all y'all do. Um, my big takeaway of the week is there's been no turnaround in the league than the improvement of the Broncos defense. I mean, what was that week three? The Dolphins put up 70 on them. And since then, I think I saw a sat during the uh, Broncos game. I mean, the Broncos Bills game that they've allowed like an average of 15 points per game since that game. That's really, really impressive, especially considering the offenses and the quarterbacks they've gone against. I mean, the Broncos are definitely not a team that I would continue consider as a contender, but I have to give them their props for the way that they've kind of turned things around and the way Vance Joseph and that coaching staff has really gotten that defense to play better because it's been the turning point and a big reason why they've had recent success. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to our most impressive offensive, defensive, and rookie players. Offensively, I went with a Texas running back, Devin Singletary, had 30 carries for 150 yards and a touchdown against the Cincinnati Bengals. Really helped, kind of helped the Texans run game, which had been struggling all season, and played a big role in that win over the Bengals. Oh, for me, offensively, it's weird, but I'm going to go to Dak Prescott because he's been balling, and it's go- we're going to talk about the other reason why at a later point of our show. 
Uh, next up, defensive player. I couldn't just go one player. I went the whole 49ers defense. I know I mentioned that the Jags like kind of come up short when they go up against better teams, but I mean, still to hold that offense to three points and just 221 yards and force four touchdowns—I mean, turnovers—is really, really impressive. Especially considering the 49ers had just lost their last three games, so I got to give props to that whole unit and Steve Wilkes. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually gonna piggyback off that and go 49ers entire defense as well. And then my rookie of the week. I got to show love to an LSU man. I'm going Cardinals off outside linebacker. B.J. Ojolari have four tackles and two sacks in the Cardinals win. Great to see an LSU man make his money. Uh, I got to go C.J. Stroud. Like, you know, like, you're a big Joe Burrow fan, but you know, like, I don't, and I don't really like quarterbacks, but I like Joe Burrow. And to go into that game and you outdo a guy – that normally wins close games in your rookie year in the fashion that you did, I got to give you props for that. Yeah, that game, because the Texans were in control of that game for most of the way. Bengals tied it up with maybe like a minute or so to go. And CJ was really composed, had a big game to Noah Brown in the middle of the field. He broke some tackles, got them in field goal range. It was a great, great game. Shout out to Sunday Ticket, because I would not have been able to watch that game otherwise. Um, and then most disappointed player for me, easily Bills quarterback Josh Allen had just 177 passing yards against that Broncos defense, two picks and a fumble. Turnovers have continuously been an issue for him, but this game really showed how bad it's gotten. For me, I already talked about it, but it's the Titans offensive line. Yeah, totally understand it. All right, let's go ahead and look at some of the moves around the NFL. Uh, starting with tight Texans linebacker Denzel Perryman, he is going to be suspended for the next three games without pay for repeated violations of playing rules intended to protect the health and safety of players, um, including a flag that a penalty that he got during the Bengals game. So that'll be a tough blow for that defense. Um, and then looking at some other transition transactions around the league, Jets cut running back Michael Carter. Um, 24-year-old was beloved in the locker room, but not seeing the field, and thus he ended up getting cut. Uh, Patriots wave cornerback Jack Jones. He was shortly picked up by the Las Vegas Raiders after that. Uh, Saints signed veteran Jason Pierre-Paul to their practice squad. Lions signed veteran edge rusher Bruce Irvin to their practice squad. And Vikings are reunited with former Pro Bowl linebacker Anthony Barr. All right, we talked about it at the top of the show, and now it's time to really talk about it. The Buffalo Bills now sitting at 5-5, five and five, losers of their last, what, two, three games? Uh-huh. Yeah. It's been ugly. And so I guess to spark a change, or at least that's what they think they're doing, they fired offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. We hear so much about people being scapegoats and – people taking the blame. Do you think that the Bills were right to fire Dorsey, or do you think he is, in fact, a scapegoat for the team's recent struggles? I I think it's a little bit of both. I think the reason he's a scapegoat is because it's like, as an organization, you're not going to say, hey, the guy that we think is our franchise quarterback is the reason why we're losing games. You, you just can't say that. Right. The, re- the reason why I don't think he's a scapegoat and, like, I think he, like, he never switched up his offense. Like, you have a team, like, yes, you have, uh, yes, you have Josh Allen 
but one of the more talented quarterbacks in the NFL. You have Stephon Diggs. You have Gabe Davis. But it's like you've perpetually been one-dimensional on the offensive side of the football, and you've never really looked to, like, properly, adequately address the fact that when people play the Buffalo Bills, you know that they're just going to throw the ball basically in every situation. And in my opinion, as a guy that loves defense and have watched numerous of clips from defenders and defensive coordinators in the NFL, they always say, if you can make a team one-dimensional, you can beat that team. And the thing of it is, the defenses aren't even making them one-dimensional. It's the way that they run their offense. They don't, like, they don't, they never committed to running the ball. Like, everybody was thinking that this was going to be a breakout year for James Cook, and, like, that hasn't happened because they don't commit to running the ball. So, that I do think that, like, he should have been fired from that alone because, in my opinion, you're not going to be able to win, like, deep playoff postseason-level games if you're basically handicapping yourself by not fully incorporating a part, one of the crucial, critical parts of, like, offense. It's tough for me because while their offense is one-dimensional, I can't totally blame the OC for that because Sean McDermott, the head coach, has to sign off on that. He has to be okay with that because no coach is going to let their coach become – their offensive coordinator become so one-dimensional and not say nothing about it if they don't see an issue with it. And it kind of goes back to what we were just kind of talking about, like with the Titans. Like for years, this has worked. We've had success doing it this way. And so now it's kind of that time of transition of like, okay, we do need to become more multifaceted. We do need to get the run game more involved. Because right now, just throwing the ball 50-plus times a game, it's not working anymore. And like you mentioned, like James Cook has talent. He had that fumble on the first touch of the game. But after that, he looked like the Bills' best offensive player when they finally started putting the ball back in his hands. So I don't know. I think – in this situation, I think it is more of a scapegoat, him being the scapegoat, just because at the end of the day, I'm not out there throwing picks. I'm not out there fumbling the ball. Had they had one less turnover, this game would have been very, very different. They could have won that game. They literally, It felt like they were playing that game not trying to win just because of how sloppy it was. And, I mean, you mentioned it, like, they're not going to throw, you know, Josh Allen under the bus. But maybe somebody does need to call him out and be like, yo, a big reason why this offense is struggling is because we keep giving the ball back to the defense. They keep getting short fields because of all these turnovers. And I know sometimes things happen, balls get tipped, whatever. But I think, again, that's why I'm leaning more towards Dorsey being a scapegoat just because nobody's really calling out Josh Allen for his struggles. It's everybody else's fault but his. But, like, you and I have talked about this as the season has gone on. We both think that this year is going to change that and that this year is the first year. Like, he's really going to be held accountable for those mistakes. And so then that kind of leads us to the next conversation of do you think that – Josh Allen should still be considered a top five quarterback. So, those for you who have not been paying attention, this season he leads the NFL with 11 turnovers, I mean 11 interceptions and 13 turnovers, both tops in both categories. 
usually you can gotta get away with it because you win games, but right now they're five and five on the outside looking in the playoffs. So do you think that he's still a top five quarterback in the league? No. Like right now, if I were to pick top five quarterbacks, obviously Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Jalen uh, Hurts, um, 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 what's his name? I'd go Tua. I'd throw Tua. Yeah, there. I was Tua and, uh, Tua and, um, dang it, what is his name? Lamar? I would, it's either, I would either say Lamar or Dak. Like, just this season alone. I would definitely say Dax outplayed Josh Allen. I agree with you on that. Yeah, like, again, like, Josh Allen has lived in the top five. And some people even had a period when they thought he was the best quarterback in the league. It's just kind of insane to me that people actually thought that. But it was a time. And I would agree with you. Like, just based off this season, he he's done nothing that's looked like a top five quarterback. Honestly, you can make an argument that he might not even be top ten. So, yeah, I think that's pretty safe to say. So, following the game, obviously, Stefan Diggs, who wears his emotions on his sleeve, was frustrated, which was noticed by his brother Trayvon Diggs, cornerback for the Dallas Cowboys, who tweeted out, um, man, 14, got to get up out of there. And then, shortly after that, because, of course, people were sending him backlash, he also tweeted out, just look at the stats. He said, let's not forget, he didn't start going off till bro got there, referring, of course, to Josh Allen. So kind of looking at it, I mean, coming into this past season, there had definitely been some questions about Stephon Diggs and his frustration with the team and their lack of playoff success. Let's say they don't make the playoffs this year. Do you think that this will be Stephon Diggs last year in Buffalo? 100%. It needs to be. Because, like, at least these past two seasons, and this will be the third, like, it's been several moments where, like, you see Stefan Diggs on the sideline, and it's like, bro ready to, it looks like bro's ready to throw hands with Josh Allen because he's dead frustrated. And, like, he, and it's not even like Stefan Diggs being, like, a diva because we've seen, like, wide receivers have, like, those explosive moments because they aren't getting the ball. He ain't even mad because he ain't getting the ball because he get the ball a lot in the Bills offense. It's more so he mad because, like, Josh Allen makes a dumb play that doesn't need to happen that costs him a game. So I definitely think he'll be out of there. So just playing devil's advocate, let's say they do make him available via trade. What team do you think should do it? Uh, really? I'm going to rule out the fact that they won't, probably won't trade in their division. Because the first thought, again, I was going to say the Patriots because they just need weapons. Um, I would say, in all honesty, I would say the Lions. Because <clears throat> they do have Amon Ross St. Brown, and he's good. But, like, you have to put me on to it. Once you get past Amon Ross St. Brown, they don't really have much else. Yeah. So... I think that'll be the place to go. I don't know if they would actually do it because they have a winning formula, but that's the place that I could think that would be a good landing spot for them. Yeah, when 
the Lions are kind of one of those teams that's like now they've been able to run the ball so effectively. Like like you said, like it's working. So it's no reason really to complain. But if a team can shut down that run game, like Baltimore was able to for much most of the game, Amon Ross St. Brown can only do so much. Sam Laporte has been really good, but he can only do so much. So have another weapon on the outside, which it doesn't seem like Jamison Williams has kind of grown into, would be a really big help. I'd probably go if I'd almost say Dallas, but they got to pay CeeDee Lamb. And I don't know if they're going to be able to pay him, Dak, and everybody else. So if I didn't say them, I hate to say this because everybody knows my feelings about this team. But I would say Cleveland. That's another team that severely lacks weapons. Amari Cooper has been great, but Amari Cooper is playing nowhere near to the level that we're used to seeing him play throughout the course of his career. And then realistically, how many other receivers on that team can you name? Yeah. And so, like, the run game has been solid since Nick Chubb has been out. But, I mean, obviously, it could always be better. And so, I think that if you want to give the Predator more options, if you want to try to help this offense take another step, you get another weapon out there, and Stephon Diggs could absolutely fit the bill. So, I would hate it for obvious reasons, but I think they would make a lot of sense. But, all right, let's go ahead and try to predict the next uh, five games for the Buffalo Bills because it's not going to be easy. So let's start off with this upcoming week. They take on the uh, New York Jets. I think they can beat the Jets. Yeah, that's a that's a W because the Jets offense won't put up enough points. All right, and so then they play the Eagles. I got Eagles winning that convincingly. Yeah, and then they got Chiefs after that. I got Chiefs winning that. Me too. And then uh, Cowboys. I think the Cowboys would beat them. If they continue to play the way that they've been playing, yes. And then they got Chargers, which the Chargers offense, say what you will about their defense, their offense is going to put up points. And I don't think this uh, defense right now for the Bills could stop them. So that would kind of be 50-50 for me. I agree, it's 50-50. Because it's also like the Chargers defense hasn't looked good. But then, for whatever reason, they'll have a random game where they look amazing. Yeah, like that random game when Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack just cannot be blocked. Yeah. So, yeah. It'll, it's going to be tough sledding. It'll be very interesting to see what happens with Buffalo because everybody's just been waiting for that moment when they can publicly crown Josh Allen as the guy. And so now that we're kind of seeing he's not, very interested to see what comes next up there. But all right, let's go ahead and play a quick game of believable or buffoonery. And we're going to start things off in Dallas with their wide receiver, C.D. Lamb. I mentioned he's in a contract year, looking to get paid. And I mean, following this game against the New York Giants, he's made a good argument for it. Um, in the interview, he said, I'm the top receiver in this game, and there is no question about it. I think we both disagree with that. I think he's played great. But let's talk about top three receivers in the league right now. I mean, to be fair, he has been going on a tear. This past week, 11 catches for 151 yards and a touchdown. Week before that, 11 catches, 191 yards, no touchdowns. Week before that, 12 catches for 158 and two touchdowns. Week before that, seven catches for 117. He's been on a crazy tear. So, believable buffoonery, he's a top three wideout in the NFL today. I'm going to say buffoonery because 
in my opinion, right now, top three is for sure two locks, AJ Brown and Tyreek Hill. Aside from, like, off-the-field issues that he's had, Tyreek Hill. And people forget because he he been hurt how great Justin Jefferson is. Yeah. Jay Jett has started so, the season going crazy. So, like, those are my top three. And I'm, another reason why I can't put C.D. Lamb in the top three is because, like, you're only doing it for one season so far. You haven't been consistently this level of player. Like, in my opinion, in order for me to put you, like, top three, and I know this is coming back to bite me in the butt because I think I had Sauce gone in top five, but, like, you have to do – you have to be great for multiple seasons. Yeah, I agree with you. I'll say buffoonery. I mean, right now he is playing well, but, like – you kind of touched on it. People, don't forget, Jay Jetta start the year crazy. Nine catches for 150 week one. Week two had 11 catches for 159. Week three had seven catches for 149 in the touchdown. Week after that, six catches, 85 yards, two touchdowns, and then he got hurt against the Chiefs. Like, let's not forget. So, I'm going to say buffoonery, but I do got to give CD props. He is absolutely balling out. All right, let's keep the conversation in Texas and let's talk about CJ Stroud. I think it's pretty safe to say he is the leading candidate for offensive rookie of the year, but maybe he could take some more hardware home. Um, on first take Shannon Sharp said he should be the favorite to win NFL MVP. If the Texans win the division, is that believable or buffoonery? It's buffoonery because no offense to my division, but my division isn't that great. Yeah. You are not wrong. Um, Because, I mean, hell, I covered the Colts, and they're still in it at 5-5. Five and five. And who knows what's going to happen when they get back from their bye. Like, that division is still very much so wide open. And this is not to take away from what C.J. Stroud has done, especially considering he's doing it with less talent than, say, two was doing it in Miami. But I'm calling buffoonery on that. Very, He's very good, though. But I don't know about MVP. All right, last but not least, I already know this is going to be buffoonery, but just for the sake of conversation, uh, recently Jamar Chase was asked about if he'd be interested in a reunion of himself, Joe Burrow, and Justin Jefferson. Already got two of the three pieces in Cincinnati, and Jamar said he would not be opposed to it. He said, I'm with it. I ain't no selfish player. I might have to take a pay cut. He might have to take take a pay cut too but I ain't no selfish player that would be fun to see again so believable or buffoonery one day we will see a Joe Jamar and Justin reunion in the NFL I'm I'm gonna say believable I'm not gonna I, lie to you I would love it <laughs> cause I think like with him saying like he would be like, I think all three of them will be willing to take a pay cut. And it's, in my opinion, the reason I think it's believable is because Jay Jettas ain't finna win nothing in Minnesota. So, like, regardless of if they get a healthy Kirk Cousins back and re-sign him next season, like, he's not going to get close to the Super Bowl in Minnesota. The fact of the matter is, let's say, let's say, this offseason, the Bengals lose T. Higgins. Let's also say they potentially might lose Tyler Boyd. They come, it come around in a couple years. Jay Jettas contract up. Who's the, and they got money. 
I can see it happening. I mean, he a free agent this year. I mean, obviously, Minnesota's not going to let him go nowhere, but. You think that? But, let again, let T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd go, and the Bengals can restructure them contracts like they do in the NFL, and they got some money. I can see it happening. Oh, I mean in the sense of Minnesota's not going to let him go. Like, he's going to get franchise tag. Yeah, definitely franchise tag. Yeah. You're right, you're right. yeah, yeah. You ain't going nowhere. But, man, look. I am a Baltimore fan, tried and true. I'm not saying I wouldn't be a Ravens fan no more. But if those three got back together, I might have to cop a jersey. I don't know who's, but I might have to get a jersey just because that's going to be nasty. That Until then, I still have my 2019 highlights. But, all right, let's go ahead and make our game picks for week 11. Starting off Thursday Night Football, my Ravens are, in fact, in action against the Cincinnati Bengals. Both teams coming off a loss. I'm going Baltimore. This is a game that I saw normally watch Thursday Night Football. Mm-hmm. This is a trash game for whatever. This is the one Thursday where I have to work, and I'm so mad because I wanted to watch this game. Uh, But I'm going to go Baltimore as well. I honestly, the what gives me the edge because I think it could go either way is Baltimore's defense is pissed off and T. Higgins ain't playing. Yeah. All right, next up we got the Jacksonville Jaguars and Tennessee Titans. Two teams also coming off a loss. Uh, they are facing off in Jacksonville. I got Jags. I'm trying to think what the Jags pass for us looking like. I mean, not at all. Lance, look, I'm going Jags. <laughs> that's that's I respect that. Um. Let's see, Los Angeles Chargers heading to Lambeau to face the Packers. I got Chargers. Chargers. Washington Commanders taking on the New York Giants. I got Commanders. Commanders. Miami Dolphins hosting the Las Vegas Raiders. I got Dolphins. Hate to say it because I'm enjoying this new look Raiders team. Yeah, I got Dolphins as well. Houston Texans hosting the Arizona Cardinals. I got Texans. Texans. Detroit Lions uh, versus the Chicago Bears. Justin Fields' first game back. That's awesome. They still going to lose. Yeah, I got Lions. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Cleveland Browns. Regardless of if the Predator was going to play, I was picking the Steelers anyway. Yeah, me too. Uh, Dallas Cowboys versus the Carolina Panthers. It does not get easier for Bryce Young. I got Cowboys. Um, yeah. Cowboys. San Francisco 49ers versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I would really love to see the Bucks win another game. It's not happening this weekend, go. I got a I got Niners. Me too. Seattle Seahawks versus the Los Angeles Rams. Rams won week one. I don't think that happens again. I got Seahawks. Seahawks. All right, next up we got Buffalo Bills hosting the New York Jets. I think they get the dub in their losing streak. Me too. Sunday Night Football, Minnesota Vikings versus the Denver Broncos. I think this is actually going to be a really, really good game. But when it's all said and done, I'm going Broncos. Is this the guy that Jay Jettles come back? That's still TBD. And now that you mention it, <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, I haven't heard anything as of yet. But apparently, the last thing I just saw is he's doing everything in his power to come back, but he's still kind of unlikely to play. So, this is tough. With that being the case, I'm going to take the Broncos. 
I mean, if Jay Jettas just want to play, I my fantasy teams would be forever grateful. All right, last but not least, by far the best game of the weekend. Monday Night Football, we got the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl rematch. I'm going Eagles, but I'm not confident in it. I'm going Eagles as well. All right, let's go ahead and talk the offensive, defensive, and rookie players we're watching. For me, offensively, I'm watching Jamar Chase. Just mentioned that uh, T. Higgins is going to play. And, I mean, Jamar Chase has had a tendency of bullying my Baltimore Ravens. Hopefully that's not the case on Thursday. But if the Bengals do want to win, he's going to have to have another monster game. For me, offensively, I am going to be watching Josh Dobbs. So far, he's been looking like uh, the Cinderella story of the NFL. I want to see if it's going to continue. Yeah, and against a defense that's playing pretty well. But, I mean, he's got weapons, so that'll be fun. Uh, defensively, I'm watching Josh Sweat, edge rusher for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, the Chiefs' offensive line has done a solid job overall of protecting Patrick Mahomes. But again, this is going to be one of the better pass rushes they go against. The best way to rattle um, Patrick Mahomes, as we saw in that Broncos game, was to send the blitz, get some pressure, and I think he's going to be a big part of that. Uh, for me, defensively, it's funny because I'm also going to have an Eagle. I'm going to have the combination of Fletcher Cox and Jordan Davis because, again, like you said, with a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, you want to get pressure. And we both know the pressure on the outside, quarterbacks typically can avoid it. It's harder for them when they get pressure up the middle, and I want to see what they can do up front. All right, last but not least, we got the rookie we're watching. I'm going Dorian Thompson-Robinson, rookie quarterback for the uh, Browns. Last time he started a game was against the Baltimore Ravens, and it got ugly real fast. This game, he's going up against another tough defense, but at least he'll have a little bit more time to prepare. Like I said, I already think Steelers win this game, but I think that I'm interested to see what he does with more time instead of just being thrust into the fire. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Dorian Thompson-Robinson because unlike Deshaun Watson, I actually like him. Yeah, like, honest, I'm not going to lie to you. After the Ravens game, I was like, well, I don't have a reason to watch Browns games no more because I don't want to watch Deshaun. Now, he's not playing, so I'll watch Browns games. Um, All right, last but not least, team we're calling out, obviously Baltimore. We lost last week to the one team I, I didn't want to lose to. Or really, you get what I mean. Um, so let's not make it too straight, especially because we're wearing the black on black jerseys. Let's get back on track. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously the Titans, but I'm going to, even though Deshaun Watson isn't playing, the steel, the steel closet still is fan to me. It's like, bro, y'all can't lose to the Browns. Yeah. Hey, you know, I understand. All right, uh, let's go ahead and move on to the NBA, and let's talk our Mamba players of the week. For me, out of the Eastern Conference, I'm going Giannis with uh, back-to-back weeks. Um, In the East, I got to go Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, that 50-piece definitely almost got it. I'm giving the nod to Giannis because he's been balling more consistently, but Tyrese Maxey is a, is a killer. All right, uh, my Western Mamba, I have very – conflicting feelings about him but I gotta give him his credit where it's due I'm going Anthony Davis I'm going to join you with Anthony Davis 
it pisses me off yeah. after his accident that he pulled against my team last night. Which was very weak. And like, I'm going to, this is going to be a statement that I never in my life thought I would say. I miss Dylan Brooks because not even from the on-the-court perspective, but one thing I know about DB is if that would have happened, DB would have been in there getting busy. Yeah. Uh, shout, shout out Dennis for trying to stand up, but it's like, it, it's like, bro, you right now you the star of the team. You, we know you really ain't going to be able to do too much. Like, Dylan would have been on some, and I know we're going to talk about it for sure, Dylan would have been on some Draymond energy, and that's the thing that I miss about this team. Like, Marcus Smart, he tough. He he got that edge to him. But he's mature now. He's not doing it, what Dale and Brooks would be doing. Fine. He's a man now. Like, I need that. I need that young ninja energy that's like, oh, I'm willing to risk it all to get, get my lick back type energy. Yeah, I agree. I I can definitely understand that sentiment. Um, Yeah, it was weak. Like, why? Like, that whole push. Like, And then it's just being petty, like, at the end. Because I think he was asked after the game, when was the last time you and LeBron were able to rest during the fourth quarter? I think he said, like, the last time we played them. So that was foul. But – I got to give him credit. He's playing well. Um, And then my rookie Mamba of the week, I'm going Chet. My rookie Mamba, I mean, it's kind of like it has to be Chet. Yeah, I mean, it's not to discredit the rookies, but y'all been real quiet just overall. All right. I'm sorry, what you say? I was going to say, outside of Wimby and Chet, you can say the Thompson twins – not from like a points production, but they doing but everything they, else. Yeah, they've been really effective in every other facet of the game of basketball. Yeah, Asur um had a real good game recently with the Pistons. Yeah, he caught a body on Capella. Yeah, I mean, not the first person, and not gonna be the last. All right, let's go ahead and move on to some roster moves. Starting off with the Denver Nuggets. They have signed head coach Michael Malone to a multi-year extension, coming off a championship season and a great start to this one. Not all that surprised. And also, finally, it seems like the Bulls and Zach Levine have publicly agreed to seek a trade. Um, Reportedly by Shams, there has been increased openness from both sides about exploring a trade, something that you and I kind of figured is going to happen eventually. So let's say you're the GM of an NBA team. You're calling Chicago. What team are you that's trying to do whatever you can to get Zach Levine on your roster? I have a list of teams. Um, and it's reported that they would probably do what I would suggest. If you're the Philadelphia 76ers, try to wait it out as long as possible. Because if you continue to see like what you have with Joel and Embiid and Tyrese Maxey is working out, yeah, it's not make their trade. Um, I would say the um the Lakers are a dark horse because I just like. I just don't like. I think I do think they need to find a way to like give more firepower besides relying on the man that's in his twenty first season to like still be the top guy. But I don't. I don't know what assets they really have to trade because I'm not a Lakers fan like that. Not much. Um, the New York Knicks because they always want to try to find a star talent and they haven't really like jumped out like this season like in the way I think they wanted to a lot of it is because Julius Randle 
hasn't played up to par because he, of ankle surgery in the all season. Putting up tour date numbers. Yeah. Uh, those are some of the things. Because in my opinion, if you're going to trade for Zach Levine, you're going to be a team that's in the throes of the playoffs. And most of those teams that are kind of established as playoff teams, they kind of have their guys already in tow. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I'm gonna. I got two other ones. I'm gonna say the Miami Heat for one because they're still kind of looking for that third piece. Tyler Hero has shown flashes, but over the last couple of seasons, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And we talked about it. the best ability is availability. If you ain't available, you can't do nothing for me. And we can, we always talk about LeBron and his age, but I mean Jimmy Butler low key getting up there too. And I think that we're kind of on borrowed time with regards to him being the main guy and taking on such a load. And so Zach Levine would definitely help them out. And then for a dark horse for me, I would say the Brooklyn Nets. I think that they're a team that we know that Michael Bridges is a great player. Uh, Cam Johnson has shown some flashes. Cam Thomas, when he plays, or at least this season, has been really, really good, but he's so inconsistent. He could drop 30 one night and then play 10 minutes the next. It's crazy. And so I think that just providing a consistent scoring option to that team could really help get them over the hump. Obviously, I don't think that makes them a championship contender or anything, but I think that could help make them a perennial playoff team that can be really dangerous and attack you in multiple ways. So they those would probably be the two uh, biggest ones. And I realize I forgot takeaways. That's my bad. That's on me. What is your biggest NBA takeaway of the week? Biggest NBA takeaway of the week is, I mean – I think, honestly, Anthony Edwards is starting to really submit himself as maybe his candidacy is the best American player in the NBA. That's real. Um, For me, I'm going to say if things stay the way that they are, the Clippers will regret trading for James Harden. It's still very early in the season, so I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, they're definitely not going to make the playoffs or anything like that. But considering the player that they brought in, which was already met with ridicule just because of all the drama and baggage he came with, at the very least, you're thinking, hey, at least we're going to win games. No, instead, they've lost the last six. They have not won a game since he has been acquired. And, I mean, obviously that's going to change. They're going to win games. But the way things are going right now, it is pretty worrisome. Because I'm sure, let's say they have another disappointing season where they barely make the playoffs and get bounced first round. I'm sure they're going to look back on that trade and wish that they had done things differently. But all right, let's go ahead and talk about some injuries around the NBA. First up, prayers up to Kelly Oubre. While in Philadelphia, he was um, struck by a vehicle near his residence, and he's in stable condition. His Injuries are not season-ending, but he's going to be out for a substantial amount of time, so prayers up to him. Happy to hear that his injuries are not worse than they uh, initially thought to be. And then Ben Simmons, who kind of commonplace, he is expected to miss more time. He was diagnosed with the nerve irritation on the lower left side of his body and will miss time. By the time this was announced, he had already missed the last three games, so another TBD as to who knows when Ben Simmons is going to play which is another reason why, like, the off-season videos of him shooting and playing well, I don't buy it. We we see this every year because once the season actually starts, he hardly plays. But, obviously, prayers up to him. Hope he's doing better. 
But all right, let's go ahead and play our game of NBA Believable or Buffoonery. And it has to do with text. I mean, it seems like just about anything nowadays is only going to get you a foul or a tech. And one of the biggest topics of conversation as of late have been stare downs. Current NBA player... Austin Rivers took to Twitter to talk about it after uh, Anthony Edwards was assessed to tech for staring down Dario Sark and said, can we stop giving guys text for stare downs? It's stupid and takes away from the game. Happened again tonight with Ant. Y'all want guys to compete and play with an edge. It's all passion, nothing personal. Stop that BS. So believable or buffoonery, refs need to stop giving out text for stare downs. Before I... Uh... Answer. Did you see the tweet or whatever that the official said? Mm-mm. What'd he say? So basically he said, like, they give the reason they do. I don't think it really pertains to that, but I think it was in the same round of, like, the reason they give texts and stuff, like, for certain things is because, like, it makes, the, it kind of makes the game go from just playing basketball to all the extracurricular stuff. So, like, I get it in a sense from that standpoint of like, okay, this goes from a game that's like, okay, you just y'all just playing basketball games to now like y'all are playing like more physical, maybe doing a couple more like small dirty things that could build up um tension between two teams. But from the stance of like stare downs, no, they should stay in the games. And like people shouldn't get taste for it. Cause it's like now it's like more it's different if like you're staring at somebody the whole way down the court. If I dunk on you and I look at you for five seconds because I just made you my son, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Vice versa, if somebody would have dunk on me, it's a part of the game. Yeah. I'm definitely calling Believe Ball on that just because it's like, come on now. Like, it, we've seen stuff that merits a tech. But probably, like, the biggest ex- example, like, you saw the Giannis tech that he got. For um, quote unquote staring down, uh, who was that? Sadiq Bay, I think. Uh, that was Isaiah Stewart. I uh, think that tape was warranted because we know what Isaiah Stewart will try to be on. So man, nah, I don't believe he didn't do nothing. He didn't try nothing. He, he didn't. But there's one of the ones where it's like, all right, Giannis, you you trying somebody that might be about their life. You need to calm down. Nah, you know what? Nah, I because then it's like, all right, so. If you're the NBA PA, it's like, oh, MBPA, this tech, this stare down is cool, but this one isn't. I think it just opens like a slippery slope of like, okay, which stare down is fine and which one isn't. And so I think it has to be like one way or, or another. Like either you're keeping it and it's fine or we're not doing it at all. But I still thought that was weak. But honestly, it did lead to probably one of my favorite moments of the season when he sat in the stands because that was hilarious. Um, speaking of texts, though, quite a few texts were given out yesterday as well as ejections following a bit of a scuffle between Clay Thompson, Rudy Gobert, and Draymond Green. You and I talked about it off the air, just about what we think the suspensions are going to be. But head coach of the Golden State Warriors, Steve Kerr, said he didn't even think that Clay or Draymond should have been ejected in the first place. Do you think that's believable or buffoonery? That's buffoonery. That's just a coach trying to speak up for his guys. Cause I can kind of give you Clay, but Draymond. Yeah, you gotta go. <laughs> like, cause when I saw the stuff that was going on between Clay and Jaden McDaniel, I was kind of like, "What is it? Like, is Clay 
pulling his jerseys, he grabbing his jersey. Like, I couldn't even make what was going on. So, not, here, I'm, I'm sorry. Playing. So, <laughs> so Jaden McDaniels, like, talked about it, like, the play afterward. And so, here is what he said. He was like, I was just trying to crash for a rebound, and he grabbed me by my collar. I was just trying to defend myself. Whatever. Uh, okay. But, yeah, keep going. I'm sorry. Nah, I was just, yeah, like, so that makes more sense. Because, matter of fact, now that you said it, it is what I saw, because he did grab his jersey. But it's like, it's this whole, like, so I still don't think Clay should have gotten Well, nah, because it enticed the reaction. But I, me personally, I probably wouldn't have ejected Clay. I definitely would have had to eject Draymond. Yeah. Like, I know people can say a part of it is because of his reputation, but it's like, bro. And it's also like I listened to uh I was watching Get Up This Morning and Marcus Spears did make a great point from the stance of Draymond. Not necessarily defending him, but just kind of being like, I get where it comes from. It's like in any team sport, when you see a scuffle, you grab your guy. Anytime you see some you don't typically grab the guy that's on the other team. And so for you to see Rudy go very grab play. And plus, I think more of it had to do with, like, the situation that happened between them off the court. Like, maybe I think it was last year or two years ago. I think that's what more so led to the Draymond being like, oh, I got a chance to finally get you. You was talking all that. He's on Twitter. Now I'm going to show you what's going on. Yeah. Because so, now you want to talk about people about that life. Nobody would deny that Draymond is about that life. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm calling buffoonery as well. Like, Clay, I could kind of let it ride, whatever. But you literally just put this man in a chokehold and you think you're going to come back in the game and everything going to be sweet. Nah, you got to go. We we can't let this ride. But, again, like you said, you're, you're a coach. You want to publicly support your players. But, nah, in this case, absolutely not. You got to get out. Um, But let's go ahead and move on. The New Orleans Pelicans are going through their fair share of struggles recently on a current losing skid. And admittedly, some players are frustrated, namely uh, Zion Williamson, who recently was asked about the team's struggles to start the year. They started out 4-1, uh, and one, then lost the next five before losing their path the, uh, this last game. And he said, last year we had a team meeting. We brought up some things I could do better. I'm trying to my best to buy in right now. So, obviously, it's still very early in the season. Anything could happen, but believable or buffoonery, it's time to hit the panic button in New Orleans. I want to say it's time to hit the panic button. I, I think it's time that you got to ship Zion out. Um, because, in my opinion, like, you're saying it's hard for me to buy in. Like, bro. The Pelicans have tried to build this roster around you. Yes, I think some of it hasn't been done as best as it could be, but they're also a small market team. But, like, this is the reality. Like, bro, you're the best player. You probably have played the least out of everybody that's on the team. So, like, for you to say, I'm trying to buy in, and granted, you know, we we can't predict health of, like, if it were up to him, obviously he would play uh, as many games as he possibly could. But it's like, you haven't been on the court, in my opinion, you haven't been on the court enough 
to even say like it's hard for me to buy in. Right. You should just be. That sounds bad, but you get what I'm saying. Like you should just be happy that you can even play. It's been such a struggle to even get you on the court. And, yeah, I feel that, like, the fact that you're even saying that is problematic because it's like, well, dang. So you saying, let's say he gets hurt again. Are you not going to be trying to rehab as hard as you can to come back because you're not bought in? Like, that would definitely trip me out. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, I think the Pelicans overall are going to be okay, but I think that just comments like that are not what you want to hear from the face of your franchise, especially considering you got, what, a second-year head coach, your team is relatively young, and like you said, like, we tailor-made it to fit your strong suits, and if you're not buying in, that's scary because that could mean nobody else going to be buying in too. So I feel you on that. And, and one more thing and that I forgot to mention. One of your best players knew you is out with a punch of mom. Yeah, and they don't tell him when CJ McCullough's coming back. And he's clearly like the veteran of that locker room. He's the guy who's seen everything. And so I'm sure not having him there is playing a role in their struggles, not only just on the court, but in the locker room as well, not having kind of that voice of reason and the guy to like who rallies everybody. And Jose Alvarado. I forgot he's out too. He's been out for the whole season. And he's like their energy guy. They're like when they need a spark, they put him in the game. Yeah. So it'll be, yeah. Like, so, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, nah, I was just saying like a lot of key players are hurt on their team, and like, yeah. Yeah. So they, we'll see what happens. Like as they get healthier, obviously prayers up to CJ McCollum. Like not even just in a basketball sense. Like hope he's good in general. But like not having him on the court and in that locker room is definitely having an impact. Um, all right, a couple more things before we head out. We talked about the Timberwolves um, for non-basketball reasons, but let's talk about it for basketball reasons. And in particular, Carl Anthony Towns, who has felt like just another guy this season. Uh, Brian Winhurst, who works for ESPN, recently said, I'm not sure Minnesota could get picks for Towns right now just due to the struggles that he's been having. Which is a kind of a crazy thing to hear, especially because NBA draft picks mean very little compared to other sports. So, believable or buffoonery, catch trade value is less than a first round pick. Yeah, I think that if really in sports in general, but I think in the NBA, it's, it's really a what have you done for me lately. And so, like, that. Like, does Cat, has Cat shown he could be a, I wouldn't say a number one option player for a team, but a 1B slash high second level option? No. Absolutely. But, like, he's been struggling. And, like, people people in the, in the realm of sports, if you're not – Showing that you can have like adequate trade value teams are gonna try to get the try to get that player for as low as they possibly can. Yeah, especially considering how much we just saw like a really big trade in Rudy Gobert and it has not paid off. Do you think a team is really gonna wanna take that risk for somebody who's barely done much this season? No. And, I mean, on the one hand, if you are one of those teams, you're probably thinking, hey, I can get uh what's his name for cheap and going about our business, and then if it don't work out, it don't work out because you didn't give up too many assets, but it's still like, do you really want to even take that risk? All right, last question before we make our nightly game pick. So on ES, I mean, not ESPN, on Fox Sports, 
Um, they have been trying a lot of different things on Undisputed since the loss of Shannon Sharp moving over to ESPN. And one of the new hosts working with Skip Bayless is Lil Wayne, who, as we all know, is an avid sport fan. And he talked about the current state of the Lakers and said, if the Lakers want to be a championship team, they have to get rid of AD. Again, my feelings about him are very complicated, but I think this is buffoonery. Yeah, because, I mean, the reality of it is, like, right now, and even at points last season, AD was showing, like, was a dominant force. And he's probably, from a talent perspective, AD has, like, top 10 player level talent. Yeah. He, at times, he can be inconsistent with that talent. Yes. At times, more times than not, he's going to get some type of small, nagging injury that's going to have him out. Yes. But, like, that, like when you get to the playoffs, you're going to want to have that level of talent. Yeah. I mean, like, because you're not, you're going to trade AD and you're not going to get anybody nearly as talented as him in return. Yeah. I think how I look at it is AD is mad inconsistent, but when he's great, he's great. I think more than anything, they need to find a compliment, like find somebody else to help them out with regards to it being LeBron and AD. Because we've seen stuff from Austin Reeves last year that was really inspiring, but this year he's been pretty quiet. And then Rui Hachimura, same thing. Um, Cam Reddish has had some moments here and there, but he's not really moving the needle. Same for JaVale. I mean, not JaVale McGee. Christian Woods, like, same for Teron Prince. Like, there's a lot of players who are nice, you know, pieces, but they're not helping to move the needle. And so I think that would be more of my focus if I'm the Lakers, if I want to win another championship as opposed to shipping out AD, because I think that just makes your road harder. But all right, let's go ahead and make our game picks for tonight and then get up out of here, starting with the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, being hosted by the Washington Wizards, I got Mavs in a blowout. Mavs. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks versus the Toronto Raptors. This will be interesting because Giannis is not playing, but I'm still going to give the Bucks the edge. Raptors. Uh, Boston Celtics versus Philadelphia 76ers. This should be a good one, but I'm going Celtics. I'm going to go Philly. Uh, New York Knicks versus the Atlanta Hawks. I'm going Hawks. Knicks. Orlando Magic versus Chicago Bulls. I got Bulls. Bulls. Minnesota Timberwolves versus the Phoenix Suns. I got Suns. Even though low-key, they're another team that has been underperforming. If I'm not mistaken, it's supposed to be the debut of the Big Three. I'm going Phoenix. That'll be interesting. Uh, Sacramento Kings versus the Los Angeles Lakers. I got Kings. Uh, I got Lakers. All right, last but not least, Cleveland Cavaliers versus the Portland Trailblazers. I got Cavs. Cavs. All right, that's our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please should check out the export.net. I repeat the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Pre episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The Export. Ethan, anything you want to say before we get up out of here? Uh, obviously, go Titans, go Greens, go Tigers. Tight, uh, tight and faithful. The all these reports that I'm hearing about, like 
potentially trying to trade Mike Vrabel to the Patriots aren't true, because if they are, that's incredibly annoying. What What do you think Mike Vrabel would go for, like in a trade? Like how much you think it would it cost him, like draft picks? I'm not gonna say a one. Hell no. Obviously, like maybe a couple twos and a three. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not giving all that up for it, though, Coach. Like, I want you, but that's, that's crazy. Um, That'd be interesting, though, because, what, the last head coach trade was Sean Payton, and I don't even remember the last one before that. So, that'd be interesting. Um, For me, Baltimore, handle your business. I don't care how much I love my LSU Tigers. I want Baltimore to win the game in the end. Uh, speaking of LSU, Jaden Daniels for Heisman. I'm going to keep yelling that till it happens. Um, so, yeah, go Tigers. Go Tigers. Go. Memphis has been having a great year, which is always a great thing to see. Lakers, just stay healthy. That'd be really helpful because when we're healthy, we're fine. It's when we're not. Grizzlies, I hope y'all get it together. And, uh, yeah, Colts have a bye week, but came up with a couple – uh, stories this week so if y'all could check that out that would be great and amazing uh thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you all next time